Welcome to Monday through Friday, Cellular Agriculture for a Pandemic-Free Future. This is episode number 19. My name is George Ortega. It is August 2nd, 2020 at 9, 19 a.m. Eastern. And I want to start by kind of emphasizing why it's so important to transition from farming, eating animals to cellular agriculture from the standpoint of being pandemic free as much as possible. Because the only other option that, that is available to us is for us to develop universal vaccines or a universal vaccine. Um, and that means that, you know, we have vaccines again, for example, we have certain vaccines against the flu, influenza vaccines, and we take them each year because they, you know, they kind of like determine during the first six months of that year, which, which influenza viruses they predict are going to be most prevalent that year. And they kind of like concoct a variety of vaccines in one to address the ones that are most likely. Even, you know, even with that though, they're only about 60% effective on average, which is, is an extreme limitation. So like with the universal vaccine, you know, they'd, they'd need to, the problem is that they would need to, to create a vaccine that works with all the strains. I mean, like there's influenza, but then there's also like Ebola, there's, there's, there's SARS, there's MERS, there's, there's Zika virus, there's different viruses that aren't necessarily influenza. And, uh, and then on top of that, you have the bacterial um, epidemics, you know, like the plague was not a virus, it was a bacteria. So, so on top of that, um, you know, again, they just started working on universal vaccines around 12 years ago in 2008. And I think there may be one or two companies now that, um, that are in trials, you know, that are in clinical trials to see the effectiveness of them. And again, you know, I, I've, I've read that they want to have an effectiveness of at least 80%, which it's got to be really hard. Because even again, even with today's yearly flu vaccines, you know, it's 60%, um, and it's lower sometimes for, um, for people, let's say over 60, it could be as low as 30%. So um, that's a major problem that, um, that they're not 90, you know, 95%, because, you know, you get a very, a very contagious kind of a, of a virus, and it spreads. And I don't, I don't, you know, I'm not even sure that 80% would be enough to, to keep us as protected, protected as, as we'd want to be. So, um, so first it's the, um, I mean, first it's the difficulty of, um, of, you know, of creating universal vaccines, uh, but, but it's, you know, it's the difficulty of obtaining the, um, desirable degree of effectiveness. And, and along with the difficulty of, of you know, creating these vaccines, 
it may take 10, 15, 20 years for us to, um, to have them. Whereas like, you know, if we invest in cellular agriculture and clean meat, we could have these products available in two, three years in supermarkets and restaurants. You know, so, and our, so I want to, so I, what I want to do now is address this time frame criteria. Why, why, I don't think it's so wise for us to count on these universal vaccines. Um, and, and, and why, why it's, it's important to, to recognize that, um, that, you know, waiting for 10, 15, 20 years for a universal vaccine may be like playing with fire, maybe just like such a risky kind of thing to do. I want to I wanna share my screen with you. I want to show you exactly what I mean with this. Um, if I can find it. Uh, where is it? Pandemics. All right, let's see. All right, so if you can see this, and I'll try to make it a bit larger for you. Um, so basically, you know, we have, whoa. All right, we've had these, these plagues, you know, epidemics, pandemics in the past. You know, you go back to 165 AD. You know, five million people died. This is a bacterial um, plague. Well, well, actually, no, smallpox or measles. Um, and you had smallpox. You have different ones. All right, so like, you know, a million, um, what, five, six hundred years later. So uh, look at this, 30 to 50 million in 541. You have like a lot of you know, 15, 20, 56 million, it was a virus. So all right, so you, you have these, but like, you know, through the centuries, there, there aren't all that many of them, okay? But, but now come to, for example, let's go into the, uh, starting with 1800s, okay? We've got this cholera pandemic in the early 1800s, right? Killed about a million uh, plus. Then it was, and that was like during a long period, because a lot of like, for example, like um, AIDS, HIV has been killing, you know, people um, starting in the 80s, probably before that, of course. And, you know, it's over 20 million people. So like some of these are much faster, like in 1885, you know, you have a plague was a bacterial, 12 million people. So, all right. So like, you know, in the 1800s, there were one, two, three, four. Four, four influenza in, in the entire 1800s. Then you go to the 1900s. Um, you have this major one, which is the wake-up call. It should have been a wake-up call to everyone. The, the Spanish flu. And, you know, just, it wasn't that it came from Spain. I just wanted to clarify this. Basically, that was like during World War I. And Spain was, um, didn't take part in that uh, war. It was neutral. So, Basically, while the other countries censored their news, they didn't report this, this, this flu, you know, which made it, of course, much more dangerous and, and, and lethal. And Spain, which was, you know, neutral during the war, didn't have that censorship. And it was the first, you know, the first reports of the flu came from, from Spain. That's why it's called the Spanish flu. So anyway, so like, so that was a virus, you know, 40 to 50, actually more recent estimates, um, 
put it at between 50 and 100 million people. But the point in the, in the whole, so you had like four in the 1800s, you look to the 1900s and you've got four, okay? You know, like, you know, spread like, you know, all right, from I think 1920 to 19, almost 60, that's like 40 years and 10 years later you have another one and, um, and then 10 years later you have AIDS. So, and again, like this Asian flu 57 killed a million. Um, we're about where I think, you know, coronaviruses, I think COVID-19 has killed maybe half a million so far. But these are major events. And you see, so now here's, now let, let's look at the, at the 20s. Like, again, four in the 1800s, four in the 1900s. We're only in the first 20 years of the 2000s. Already we've got swine flu. SARS, Ebola, MERS, COVID-19. And again, that's the, and they're increasing. Okay, that's, that's the point I want to make here. So I'm stopping to share. They're increasing in frequency. And it's not, you know, it's not a mystery as to why. You know, for example, like there are many, many more people on the planet. Um, we've transitioned from local family farming to the to factory farming, um, a major, a major factor is we are so much more mobile now. You know, back then, you know, they didn't do much traveling. You know, th that's why viruses were easier to contain. Now, four billion passenger flights every year. You know, and and, and you know, no continent is is exempt. I mean, they're Africa, Asia. South America, um, North America, Europe, I mean, people fly everywhere. And, and that is why, you know, the, the prevalence that the, 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 these viruses are becoming more frequent is, is why we need to act fast. I mean, think about it. I mean, if, if we're so reckless, so indifferent, so so careless as to as to come out of this distancing, this coronavirus pandemic, and not do as much as we can, as much as we should do to prevent future pandemics, to give us a, a fighting chance. You know, I'm not sure, you know, from a certain kind of like a moral standpoint we deserve to exist you know the a human population is just so careless with human life i mean so like you know god willing we will um we will understand this we will understand that yes we have a we have a, an amazingly wonderful way to be perhaps 95 99 percent free of pandemics you know, if we transition, let's say in two, three years, you know, we, let's say we, we invest, you know, what I've been suggesting, $50 billion, which is one half of what the Congressional Budget Office has estimated we're going to be spending on this pandemic, $8, billion, $8 trillion. So if you, we spend one half of 1% on that, of that $50 billion, and start spending it, as, you know, as soon as it, um, Biden gets into office, okay? In two years, three years perhaps, 
we could have you know all the beef uh, chicken pork seafood dairy products you know eggs that we want um in a way that keeps us as pandemic free as i believe we need to be as believe certainly as 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 you know so we'd have to at that point obviously end the farming of animals you know that's the only way we're really going to be safe from these things until we get a vaccine the problem is of course the vaccines are um you know years decades more likely away so think about it think about it um i've mentioned this before people spend seven times more than what i'm suggesting to protect their houses from from theft and fire and, and other damage and loss you know over a 10-year period you know so uh so 50 billion dollars to keep us as safe as we can be from a future pandemic is an amazing bargain and if our politicians don't understand this we really need some more intelligent better politicians you know and the media is is the same that, that the media isn't reporting this that you have to hear this on a local um cable television you know series is, is bizarre you know you, you you're, you're not hearing this from from the news organizations which which demonstrates their profound response irresponsibility you know they're they're corporations they you know um they're not really concerned in, so much it seems with the welfare of the planet welfare of people as much as they're concerned with ratings and with their business model and uh, returning you know gains to their shareholders that's unfortunate that's unfortunate even like you know the public um, pbs public broadcasting service it, it doesn't you know it's not um it's not informing people about this I mean, it could be, you know, could it be that it's too early, you know, in the, I mean, it, in terms of prudence, in terms of, you know, responsibility, no, it's, it's, we should have been, we should have started this in January, you know, to pump this $50 billion in the drum, you know, waiting is playing with fire. So like, this is not too early, but in the minds of some of these reporters, some of these news organizations, some of these politicians, perhaps, if any of them really, you know, have this you know knowledge um perhaps you know they're 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 thinking more politically and so in that case perhaps they're they're believing that it's too early so so let's let's hope let's hope that maybe next year by next summer um as we're hopefully moving away from this you know we, we don't know this this distancing it may be a back and forth that goes for two three four years that's that's where ex experts tell us um but at, at a certain point at a certain point you know after eight trillion dollars has been spent after so many people have died after um so much loss in so many ways so much economic loss uh, people are hopefully going to um really be very um eager to to not go through this again people are really going to to be wanting some kind of assurance from our governments from our scientists that that we can be pr 
pre, um, protected, you know, from from future pandemics. Um, but again, it's because the universal vaccines are ten, perhaps fifteen years away, and they'd have to both they'd have to apply to like influenza, to other viruses, to bacterial infections. You know that, you know. It may be it may be longer than than fifteen twenty years I don't know, but um, it's because of that great uncertainty and the great difficulty in, in doing that research that we only really have one reasonable option of, of being safe from pandemics and that is to end you know the farming and eating of, of animals. Um, I'm not saying ending the, the eating of, of, of beef, of meat and, and, and dairy and, and you know, seafood and all. We can still eat those foods because of cellular agriculture, but we will absolutely have to end you know, farming animals throughout the entire world, not just here in the United States, if we have any reasonable chance of, um, of being safe from, from future pandemics. The other, I think, major thing we're going to have to do, and this is, you know, a bit of a side point to the series, but um, um, are, are tearing down the, like, the Amazon rainforest, the forests are encroaching more and more into wildlife, you know, just like civilization just encroaching more into, into wilderness. Uh, that's a major um, source of pandemics. So at a certain point, we're going to have to start thinking, well, you know, we've encroached into the, the wild, into, uh, into nature enough. And if we need to expand, we'd better figure out how to expand up, you know, skyscrapers, you know, just vertically instead of taking more land. And incidentally, you know, we, we will have a lot more land available once we make this transition from the farming of animals to growing our, our meat, fish, dairy products in labs or, you know, through cellular agriculture. The reason being is that like um, most of our land, our farmland that grows food is not used for human beings. Most of that land is used for the feed that cows and chickens and pigs eat on these farms. You know, so think about it. Um, we uh, no longer have to eat, you know, have to farm these animals. All of that land, it's a lot of land, becomes available for human use and, you know, for other ways, you know, parks, whatever. So, all right. So again, you know, I'd, I've been kind of giving sermons recently, just like, you know, saying how evil we are. And well, you guys, I'm like, you know, people who are not vegan and like, you know, I make it a point to, to say, well, it's not really your fault because, you know, you don't have a free will. You, you know, you just are going along with what the world is doing. Just like in the time of slavery, people were, well, you know, everybody else is like, you know, thinks slavery is all right. It must be all right. So, um, so yeah, I mean, that's an important point. And I'll go back, I'll come back to this because I think it is very important. You know, you've got this information, but I think it's only gonna be useful to you, important to you, to the extent that you 
blended in with the morality aspect. I mean, I imagine you, you consider yourself a good people, good person, you, you value morality. 80, 90% of you believe in God or higher power. So it's not like, like, like you don't care about, you know, being a good person. But, but all of that morality aside, from a completely practical standpoint, it is just the height of folly for us to keep going month by month, you know, like we're into August already, and nobody, you know, the media, the politicians are not talking about um, ending these pandemics or, or being as safe as possible. You know, think about it, think about it. Uh, I mean, we, yeah, we have to get into the politics of this. I mean, like, we, we think we have a democracy. We don't have a democracy here in the United States. Uh, what we have is a plutocracy, or more, more, more specifically, a corporatocracy, meaning that it's the corporations who call the shots. The rich, you know, the plutocracy is like ruled by the rich. So um, that's, that's our problem, because the rich, you know, yeah, they've, they've done a lot of good. You know, you can't, you know, lump them all together and say they're all evil but they tend to not be concerned with the general welfare unless it's like you know to add customers for to their base whatever you know so what happens what's happening is um you know somebody comes goes to a politician and 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 they say well listen they explain exactly what i've been explaining to you right now we need to like end the farming of animals and let's say this politician ha happens to be in a midwestern state that raises a lot of cattle and, and chicken and, and pigs. Okay, well, you know, the, these, these corporations, Cargill and um, Purdue, there, there's various, you know, very large corporations that will pay these, these politicians millions and millions of dollars in campaign financing, you know? And, and so they, to a great extent, own these politicians. You know, these politicians will say, well, you know, you make a lot of sense. You know, it would be great if we could, like, prevent future pandemics. But you see, like, for me to get reelected, I have to listen to what my financiers are telling me that I need to do. <laughs> and, you know, perhaps that's a bit too direct, but that is exactly what happens. You know, in so many cases, politicians are not doing what is right or what the people would like them to do, the will of the people. They're doing the will of their financiers for, for campaigns. And we might as well get into the politics because the politics is so important. You know, so basically, you know, one answer to this is um, right now we have, by law, we, we, we allow this. We have to change the law. We have to change the law where, where like a person runs for office and they get, for example, a certain number of signatures. Um, we, the public, finance their campaign. And let's say there are four people running for a certain office, um, one of the primaries, whatever. Or, or let, no, no, you've got two running for an office in the national elections, right? Well, each of those two candidates um, is allotted only a certain amount. You can't spend unlimited. You can't spend like hundreds of millions, billions of dollars in, in advertising all this stuff. You know, and the person who, who recruits the, more, <laughs> the most contributors wins. Um, no, they're, 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 they're allowed enough to communicate their platform effectively. And, it, and, it, and it's fairer. And, uh, and that way, 
you know, and what, what, what I'm describing is referred to as federally financed campaign um, finance reform, um, publicly financed elections, okay? So, and so basically what happens is that this, their election funds, campaigning funds, would come from taxes, you know, and, you know, we probably want to tax the rich a bit more than everyone else because they have the money and, you know, they're the, they're the reason why we're in this mess and to a great extent. But, um, but that, you know, we need to do this. We, we, you know, I mean, if we have an epiphany, if we have a moral, you know, a, a, a leap of conscience, if, if we, you know, all of a sudden, you know, become, you know, because of this COVID-19, much, much better people, if we're chastened and, um, and understand that uh, we just can't do whatever we want, you know, without expecting to suffer some sometimes dire consequences, um, perhaps there's a chance that, that we can keep our political, you know, our campaign financing system the way it is. But, you know, unless we, we reach that, um, it's not just to prevent pandemics. I mean, we've got climate change. I mean, Gore's movie came out almost 16 years ago, no, 14 years ago, 2006. And, um, and people knew, you know, about climate change, global warming before that. And still, you know, the fossil fuel industry, the um, transportation industry, a lot of industries have conspired to prevent us from doing anything meaningful on it. So that's another powerful reason that we need to like change the way we um, elect our officials and we need to essentially, it's essentially about getting money out of politics. <laughs> you know, and, and you know, like some people like talk about freedoms. Well, no, freedoms, we, we are free to do what we want to the extent that it doesn't harm others. That's why there's so many laws against physical violence and theft and aggression and all that, right? And then there's, you know, sometimes we can um, hurt others through our speech. So there are hate crimes, there are, you know, there are speech laws. And now we have to understand that um, it is extremely hurtful to we as a, as a global population, not just as a country, for, for a few very rich people to call the shots, you know, to, to, to not allow us to, to invest this $50 billion to create a pandemic-free future. You know, I mean, we're, we're under three months into a national election. Um, this is the time to, to talk about the, these kinds of things. You know, we, uh, you know, President Obama, um, he just recently suggested that, you know, we, we may need to end the filibuster in, in the Senate. And yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's a, it's a very risky move because like the Republicans get in and, you know, they don't like government. So they probably, so basically we have to get in there um, and that filibuster and then create a government, you know, that, that works for everyone, not for the corporations and can protect us. All right, we've got about 43 seconds left. Um, catch this on White Plains Community Media, channel 76 if you get Verizon, or if you get Optimum 45, if you get Verizon. Uh, it's on Monday through Friday, 5 p.m. It's also on YouTube. Um, all right, well, um, so yeah, um, I'm not sure what I'll be uh, talking about tomorrow, but 
But again, you know, we need to invest in the cellular agriculture as our only real uh, way of, prevent, of preventing future pandemics. Thanks for watching.